Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The government September employment report. The unemployment rate is 3.5%. The reason we're investigating Hunter Biden is because we believe he's a national security threat. We're also concerned that Hunter Biden's shady business dealings have compromised Joe Biden. It drove me crazy to not be able to say that I like Trump. President Putin. Use irresponsible rhetoric. It's reckless. It's dangerous. Spike in violent crime. I'm standing in front of crime scene tape in front of my own house. Rising crime is actually the fault of the police. You can't get me more outraged than right now. Stupid people that don't have a clue. We will end up in World War Three. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views for another week, another day. And uh, yeah, stupid people are going to get us into World War Three. And uh, perhaps the uh, captain of the ship of stupid people is uh, residing on Pennsylvania Avenue. I won't go any further than that. Before we get into all the news of the day in the political realm, a couple things to note. Matt Rule, the head coach of the uh, Panthers, was canned today. Uh, he was uh, five weeks into the season, starting with a 1-4 win-loss record and not doing too well. Uh, he is gone. Another sports story. Do you want to feel old? I saw this today and I thought, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. You want to feel old? North Carolina's legendary men's basketball coach, Dean Smith, retired 25 years ago yesterday. Yeah, he told uh, Guthridge, Bill Guthridge, of his retirement plans, but he brought the rest of the staff into his office and hemmed and hauled, and they thought it was just another get together, you know, routine staff meeting. And, uh, he said, you know, the day that I thought that I'm, I'm not excited about going to, uh, the first practice was the day I was going, I mean, I'm paraphrasing what he said was the day I was going to, uh, resign and retire. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, 25 years ago yesterday, you know, I will say this. If, if you dig in a little bit and find out about Dean Smith, he, he leaned left but you know, one of the things that was great about Dean Smith and I, I look, okay. I, I mean, I look, we have had some uh, tremendous, whether you're a Dukie fan or a Carolina fan, we've had some tremendous coaches over the years. And Dean Smith is certainly the Dean, but, um, it, with both Shashevsky and Dean Smith, it, when you watched a ball game, you didn't worry about politics. It was just about the ball game. And, uh, we need more of that. Unless, especially the, the, the liberal woke agenda does not need to be in sports, just saying. Speaking of wokies, by the way, I misspoke. Uh, on Friday, I said that um, Ted Budd was going to be with us today. Uh, yeah, I, I do screw up once in a while. I screwed up. What happened? This. Yeah, <laughs> me, me and Joe, what happened? Uh, I, I, that was my, my mess up. Uh, he was gonna, he's going to be with us on Wednesday. And the only reason I clarify that is if you tuned in, you wanted to hear Ted Budd at 520 today, it will be on Wednesday. And a lot of people are upset with Ted. Don't be upset with Ted. Be upset with me. That was my mistake. But uh, Sherry Beasley and Ted Budd got together on Friday night and had their debate. And uh, I listened to it after the fact. I did listen to it uh, on Friday. I've listened to it since then. And I, I listened to the whole thing, took down some notes. It, it was... 
what you would expect. Typical debate. I I thought Ted missed a couple of huge opportunities that if I was in that debate, I would have immediately jumped over on Beasley and said, what are you talking about, woman? I mean, first of all, and I'll say the guy from Spectrum News, um, I thought did a, a, a good job following up. He'd ask a question. Beasley continued to try and not answer certain questions, avoid the question. And I handed it to him. He came back and re-asked the question over and over again. But when they got to abortion, Beasley said, and I quote, Women have a constitutionally protected right to make this decision, speaking of aborting their child. They have the right to make this decision themselves. It's like, and and, uh, now now Ted Budd responded this, but I I mean, I wouldn't say he jumped on this. He just sort of sort of made a comment. Well, no, they don't. But my gosh, this woman is a judge. And she reminded us of that fact at, at least a dozen times in this hour debate, constantly said, well, I was a judge, a chief justice, and I was a, in a judge for 20 years. And you did not recognize the fact that the Supreme Court came out with a desi- the, the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade. And they said, no, you do not have a constitutional right to make this decision yourself. Uh, this is now up to the state that you live in. So I it just I, I was floored at that, but then they started talking about of both voter integrity and the crime issue, and Beasley kept wanting to go back to the January sixth issue, and she claims that you know Ted Budd is not for law enforcement because he said that the January sixth protesters, many of them were patriots, but she also and that, now Ted Budd didn't respond to this statement at all. She also made the comments during the debate. She said, and I quote, hundreds of police officers were either injured or killed on the January 6th protest. (laughs) Hundreds of police officers were injured or killed. The only person that died at that January 6th uh, protest was a ex uh, Air Force officer who, who she died at the hands of the police, and I, it's like you know, I mean, wow! I mean, a flare should have gone off at that point. Hundreds of police officers died during the January sixth. It was um, well interesting to say the least. I, I, it, it was a non-event. Seven o'clock on a Friday night on Spectrum News. I'm not knocking Spectrum News. Again, I thought they did a pretty good job. I thought the the time of the debate it was, I mean, Friday night. Listen, when I go home on Friday night after doing a week of news and views, the last thing I want to do is tune in to a political debate. And I mean, I know I could watch it online later, and I'm sure other people did. But I mean, first of all, how many people can actually access Spectrum? Here in Pitt County, we have uh, we we don't have access to Spectrum, but if <laughs> I mean Friday night football, Friday night relaxing, people going out to eat, doing whatever, 
Uh, I don't think it's a high priority on a Friday night at 7 o'clock that I'm going to tune into the debate. Uh, that being said, I would give the edge to Ted Budd. I don't think he knocked it out of the park, but I would give the edge to him. And uh, But Cherry Beasley is just, I mean, over and over and over again, she would come up with a line that uh, I've been a judge for 20 years upholding the rule of law. And uh, over and over and over again, her universal answer to just about every issue is Ted Ted Budd has done nothing. Ted Budd has been in Congress for six years and has done nothing. I will say this, and uh, we, we'll broach this subject on uh, Wednesday when we have Ted on, uh, Congressman Budd on. The issue of the seed company came up. You know, the, the, the Bud family had a business. It was a publicly traded company. It went out of business and it left a number of farmers. I think the number was something like $50 million. And that was collectively all the farmers that were involved in this, uh, you know, uh, selling back seed to the seed company. And uh, Ted Bud's answer was, well, that was a publicly held company. I wasn't an employee of it. And uh, I think he needs now, – now, that might be an accurate answer, but I don't think it's a satisfactory answer. I think he needs to come up with something that, that uh, is a little more, more detailed. I mean, I, frankly, I think uh, an answer along the lines of, yeah, we went bankrupt. We're very sorry for it, and it, it, it hurt. Uh, you know, I was a very young man at the time, and I wasn't involved in it. It was – uh, an unfortunate part of uh, of being in business, and unfortunately, we couldn't help out the farmers any more than we. And you know, I, whatever. I mean, they, I don't I don't know what the answer would be, but at least an an apology of, of some sort might be more apropos. I just think he needs to work on that answer. I don't think it's satisfactory. And uh, Benny has told me his many farmer friends have found it unsatisfactory. Conservatives that would normally be voting for Ted Budd or have some concern over that. So that's something that uh, I think Ted Budd probably needs to, uh, <laughs> there's only 30 days left. So I doubt if he's going to change his answer, but we'll, we'll see. Um, a lot of uh, interesting numbers coming out again, ahead of the midterms. Uh, I want to get to some of those. Uh, and we'll take a break before we do, but before we go to break, it is interesting how bad the January 6th committee is basically embarrassing themselves. So much so that the only thing you can figure is they're attempting to hide what they have, that they don't embarrass themselves any more than they have. I mean, uh, Kissinger, uh, not Kissinger, um, uh, Kensinger, Adam Kensinger, who uh, is on the committee along with Liz Cheney, the two Republicans, uh, neither. I mean, Kissinger wasn't going to run for um, a re-election. Liz Cheney is not. Run, she lost. I mean, they're embarrassed. The Democrats are are going to be embarrassed. I mean, they're just they're going down in flames. The January sixth committee has postponed the publication of their investigation report until after the twenty twenty two elections. Which is really interesting because I think they, you know, the, the whole reason they've been working on this and the whole reason they've been delaying their report up to now, they've been dragging this thing out so it would, it would, they could come to a crescendo right before the midterms, as if that was going to influence how the midterms would turn out. Again, the the two rhinos that were on there, you know, if if, if they had their true wishes made known, they'd both be a part of the Democrat Party. 
but they, they've delayed it. They've said, no, nah, we'll release the information after the midterms. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they release and if they actually release anything. How many millions of dollars have they spent of the taxpayer money? And it, it was nothing but a political show. It was a kangaroo court that they had a predetermined outcome of how their findings would turn out. Uh, the predetermined outcome would be they thought they would affect the midterm elections that any conservative, anybody that Donald Trump would endorse would end up losing, looking bad, and it has totally backfired on them. Uh, they will hold their final hearing this Thursday, October the 13th. Who cares? <laughs> Listen, they went out and hired professionals to orchestrate this thing. They hired some guy from ABC News to come out and orchestrate this whole thing. It was it was a show. It was a dog and pony show put on by liberals trying to embarrass Donald Trump and conservatives. And kudos to the American public. They're either bored with it or they know it's all lies. It's a kangaroo court, and they don't want to have anything to do with it. And uh, is, is there a picture out of Liz Cheney since she lost her reelection where she's actually smiling? I mean, the, the woman looked like her little puppy was run over by a tractor trailer. I, I, she is totally despondent. And Liz, sorry, it's self-inflicted. It is totally self-inflicted. Uh, stay with us. I've got a lot of interesting numbers. We'll be sharing those when we get back. News of News continues right after this. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Happy Columbus Day, October the 10th, 2022. Sort of, you know, this used to be a major holiday. It sort of uh, disappeared off the radar. I guess it's been replaced by more uh, woke holidays. Uh, weather forecasts, some clouds this evening will give away to mainly clear skies overnight, a low of 47. Tomorrow, sunny skies, a high of 74. Tomorrow night, again, a low around 50 with a few clouds. Sun, uh, a sunshine, I should say, on Wednesday in the morning, increasing clouds. And by uh, Wednesday night, a chance of some late showers. But uh, overall, the next uh, week or so, highs in the low to mid, well, a couple days, the upper 70s, and uh, cool nights, great fall weather. Get out and enjoy. The Daily Wire is reporting on an interview they conducted with one of the top pollsters, Trafalgar pollster, by the name of Robert Kahali. He is saying that, once again, Republican voters would be undercounted in these last weeks ahead of the 2022 midterm elections. Thus, he says, don't be surprised if Republicans end up doing much, much better than all the polls say. Robert Kahale, founder and senior strategist and pollster of the Trafalgar Group, observed during the debut of Election Wire, a new podcast from The Daily Wire, it, uh, he said that Republican voters would be underestimated after legacy media talking heads and establishment politicians declared MAGA Republicans enemies of the state. These submerged voters aren't answering polls. They aren't putting stickers on the cars or signs in the yards. They're not even posting on social media. You know, he makes a great point. 
I mean, how many conservative signs do you see out in people's yards? I mean, and generally speaking, how many signs do you see in yards at all? I mean, most of them along the side of the highways and byways. Uh, they're underwater. They're not saying a word to anybody until election day. Kahali said voters shouldn't trust polls in coming weeks, considering many pollsters failed to accurately predict the last three elections by highly favoring Democrats and undercounting Republicans. You know, I think on top of that, I think he's, I think he makes a very valid point, but on top of that, how much of that is deliberate? I mean, again, we talked about this last week. By now, the pollsters normally are polling likely voters, not registered voters. But at the beginning of last week, some of these polls were still registered voters and not likely voters. He said polls have two purposes. They're either to reflect the electorate or they're to affect the electorate. And too many of these media and university-based polls are designed to affect trying to create a false narrative quite often when there is not one. With American skepticism of polling continually increasing due to false narratives forged by the pollsters, Kahali said such groups have already begun to face the possibility of getting the next election cycle completely wrong again. Quote, and so now they're having to get back to reality because they don't mind at all being wrong, but they hate it when somebody else is right. I think he's speaking of himself there as far as being right. Next month, registered voters nationwide will line up at the polls to tip the political scale in one direction or another in several highly controversial races and issues. However, with several important critical elections in the House, Senate, and gubernatorial races, Democrat and Republican candidates and voters are both displaying optimism, balance the power in Washington. Uh, What's interesting about this is, again, I would say that not, not only are Republicans or conservatives or people that would consider themselves, yeah, I'm for Donald Trump. I'm, I I don't wear a MAGA hat, but I'd vote for Trump. Uh, they're probably, you know what? I, I don't want to fight. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Or a guy like me, I, I like a good rhubarb. Uh, so I, I, I don't mind a spirited discussion over politics, as you can imagine. But I, I, I don't answer the poll questions because I, don't, I just don't trust them. I, I don't trust them to take what I say. First of all, some of the questions, you know, do you still beat your wife kind of questions. I don't trust them to not twist my answer to something that they want to hear. So th- that is the reason why. Now, I'm, a lot of people say, you know, I will answer the poll questions because I want to make sure that I am represented. I Frankly, I, it's just like, and if, if you're like me and you actually have a house phone, most people <laughs> no longer do. And I know they try to make some of these polls via the internet and some via cell phones, but still a lot of them are still calling landlines. And uh, we have a landline, but if, if it's an automated call, somebody I don't know, I'm not going to answer it. So, yeah, I, I agree with uh, this guy from Trafficker. I I it's going to be interesting to see how, are, are these polls going to be accurate or are they going to be way off again? Another reason to be optimistic last week, the democratic congressional campaign committee, the DCCC whined to the Washington post that it was unable to compete in several key house districts to defend Democrats 
or work to unseat GOP incumbents with one month to go. Now, another Democrat spending group, the House Majority PAC, is doing the same in the latest bad sign for vulnerable Democrats who see their national support drying up in the final stretch of the campaign. In other words, to cut to the chase, these two groups, two liberal groups, Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee and the House Majority PAC, both liberal PACs, liberal groups, they're not spending money. They're not spending money for vulnerable Democrats. In other words, they're looking at the numbers and they're saying, why would we waste our money? We're going to get shellacked. Why would we waste our money? And listen, this happens. This happens a lot. And it's, it's, it's sad in one sense because I know if you are running and you're as a conservative and you're running in a minority majority district and you can't get any help from the state or from the feds as you run for this office and you say to yourself, I'm putting myself out there. They ask me to run. Why aren't they helping me? And the reason is because they have so much money to spend and they're hedging their bets. They're looking at your race and they're saying, yeah, thanks for running, but uh, you know what? We, we don't see any wisdom in spending money in this race because we pretty much know the outcome. We see the polling. We see how the district is made up. We see the number of uh, likely Democrat voters, the number of likely Republican voters. And frankly, friend, we're glad you're running. We're glad, glad you're on the ballot, but we don't have the money to, to spend because we think it's, it's are predetermined. Well, that is basically what these Democrat groups are saying to Democrats that are running. We are looking at the numbers and nah, we don't, you're on your own, <laughs> which is really good if you're a conservative. If you're running as a conservative against one, they're not spending money. Uh, one particular situation, uh, Axios was talking about uh, Representative Mike Garcia and Michelle Steele, Marcus, Mike, Mike Garcia is the Republican. Uh, I'm sorry, Michelle uh, Steele is the Republican running against um, the other. D- Democrats are, are not, um, <laughs> I'll get it right yet. Mike Garcia, forgive me, Mike Garcia is the Republican. Democrats are not spending any money against him to help the, the Democrat out and to bring down Mike Garcia. Uh, it's a, uh, race down in, uh, Texas. Just one of many examples that this is happening. Daily Wire is reporting with less than a month to go until the midterm elections, Joe Biden's approval ratings are in the dumpster. I mean, all the approval ratings. Fewer than one in four people think America is going in the right direction. According to an Ipsos poll. Thousand. Um, this is pretty good. Pretty good size uh, sample. Thousand three people. Sixty three percent think the the United States is on the wrong track. One in four. Twenty four percent think America is going in the right direction. Now you got to imagine if only twenty four percent think it's going in the right direction. You got to figure. Okay, we've got a lot of government workers out there. We got a lot of people that are on the government dole of some sort, and we got a lot of people that are just totally uninformed. <laughs> They don't know which end is up. And yet, and yet, only 24% thinks America's going the right direction. 63% wrong track. But this is even more shocking. 
Biden's approval rating is less than 50% on every single one of the top issues Americans care most about. So in this poll, they asked, okay, what is what are the most important issues to you? These were the top 10. And none of these, none of these, Joe Biden rated higher than 50%. Uh, these are are not necessarily. Well, these are the, these are in the order of how of the highest percentage that Joe got. These they just asked for the top ten. These are not the top ten issues in chronological order, chronological order. Uh, in COVID nineteen, Biden got a forty percent approval rating. Environment, he got a forty four percent. Racial inequality, he got forty two percent. Employment, jobs, got thirty eight percent. Unifying the country. Which is really interesting because is that not what Joe said he would do? I mean, he's talked about this the day he was inaugurated. He talked about it in his campaign that he would be same thing that that Obama said that he was going to be the great uniter, unifying the country thirty seven percent, international trade thirty seven percent, taxes thirty four percent, economy thirty three percent, immigration thirty three percent, corruption thirty one percent. Then they turned around and they asked, okay, what do you want Biden to most focus on? The top item that they wanted Joe to focus on the most, the economy. Second, which is goes hand in fist with the economy, employment, jobs. Third, immigration. Fourth, environment. Fifth, unifying the country. Sixth, corruption. Seventh, COVID-19. Eighth, racial inequality. Ninth, international trade. And tenth, other. Now, what's really interesting about this, COVID-19 made the list, but it was pretty far down there. Climate change, per se, now the environment was in there, but climate change, per se, did not make the list. What is the issue that their number one issue that the Democrats think they're going to win on? Abortion codifying Roe v. Wood, didn't make the list, did not make the list. Other ranked higher than abortion. I mean, I don't know where abortion would have come in, but other actually ranked higher than abortion. Didn't even make the list. The economy has been at the top of America's list now for a full year, according to pollsters. All partisans agree that the economy is the top issue, with Republicans 40% most likely to say so, followed by independents 30%, and then Democrats 22%. How can, I'm sorry. How can only 22% of, anyway. Uh, now, again, that was what is what is on the top of your list. It'd be interesting to find out what was on the top of the Democrats list. Meanwhile, another poll found that economic issues greatly outweigh concerns about the rights uh, in the midterm elections. The Monmouth University poll found that less than 50% approval rating on 11 of the top 12 issues. This is, again, Joe's uh, rating on these um, it, it, bottom line is that when, when it comes to the issues that people are going to vote on, and I, I you know, the, and these are all new stories, by the way. I know I sound like I'm repeating myself from stories from last week. Every day, another story comes out how out of touch the Democrats are. And when you read these stories and see these numbers, you say to yourself, wait a minute, how, how can it be? That Cherry Beasley and Ted Budd are, are essentially tied. 
how can it be that Fetterman and Oz, Fetterman's ahead by five points? I mean, you look at you look at these numbers and you look at those numbers. I mean, Fetterman is a thug. Fetterman dresses like he's out of the hood. The guy can't put a sentence together. And you're telling me he's five percentage points ahead of Oz? It 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 doesn't add up. I mean, you know, if if you if you begin to bring common sense into the equation, you say to yourself, <laughs> this makes absolutely zero sense. This isn't going to fly. Uh, uh, th- now, this next story will, if you're a conservative, will bring a smile to your face. Lisa Mikowski. I mean, if you look up the word rhino, there's a p- picture of Lisa Mikowski next to it. The incumbent from Alaska. Uh, new polling in. And, you know, by the way, Alaska's got that goofy, you know, primary deal that you pick out, you know, you one, two, and three choices. And anyway, long story short, the way they do the primary, they actually have more than two people running for the Senate, but the top two uh, are Lisa Murkowski and um, the Republican challenger, Kelly Tisbaka. And right now, they're saying that Kelly Tisbaka is leading in that poll. Um, the chances of her coming ahead and winning that is uh, 53%, according to 538. In other words, she's she's ahead with 53% of the vote. Uh, Murkowski has been there for like 20 years. She actually voted against Brett Kavanaugh. Now, you know, if she was in some purple state or some blue state, that would be bad enough for her to do that as a Republican. But she's in a red state. I mean, Alaska is fairly conservative in their voting patterns. There will be a Republican. Now you say, well, Tom, how do they put her in there? <laughs> Good question. Uh, yeah, she's she's fooled a lot of people over the years. And again, when you're, when you're running, when these liberals are running, even the Democrats— when they're running, they try to sell themselves as conservatives, and that's exactly what Murkowski's done. Uh, but it looks like uh, her days very well could be numbered. We've got to take another time out. Stay with us, though. More to come. Monday's News and Views. I'll be right back. Back to the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all-powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. You know, it's interesting talking about abortion and how the Democrats have really relied their entire midterm re-election campaign based on on abortion and, uh, you know, that we need to codify Roe v. Wade. Liberal Politico, they they lean left. They're, They're not the worst of the worst, but they lean left. In their... Politico playbook that comes out on Monday mornings. One of the subcategories they had titled as is the Dob effects fading. In other words, the, the Dobbs ruling, which overturned Roe v. Wade, is it fading? You know, I'm not sure it was ever as strong as they thought it would be. I mean, if, if the Democrats had their way, the, the, the Dobbs ruling would have come out today and not several months ago, but, uh, yeah, it is faded. And one of the reasons it is faded, and maybe it's too simplistic to just say, okay, is it inflation or is it is it the inflation slash economy or is it Dobbs? 
But uh, there are so many other issues screaming at voters that affect their daily lives that, I mean, every day, every day, Americans are reminded of how bad inflation is and how Joe Biden is at the top of the, I mean, he's, he's the captain of the ship. Like it or not, fair or unfair, he's going to get blamed for it, and the Democrat policies are going to get blamed for it. And indeed, the giveaway programs and the printing of the money is indeed the cause. But uh, is, is the Dobb effects fading? Yeah, I think it is big time because it's not on people's minds. Inflation, economy is every day. Uh, speaking of uh, wasting taxpayers' money on uh, climate change, which is exactly, you know, it was all... <laughs> labeled as the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, the Joe Manchin ended up being the 51st vote for that. Uh, It was nothing but a green energy bill, a climate change bill. The job approval rating for Joe Manchin in his home state has fallen through the floor. It has fallen by double digits since he provided the final vote needed to pass Biden's so-called, well, it was a a climate bill. I mean, they called it the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. It was a joke. A majority of 51% of West Virginia voters disapprove of Manchin's job performance. That is up from 38% who disapproved in the second quarter of this year. He now ranks among the 10 most unpopular senators in their home states as he mulls whether to run for a third term in 2024, according to pollsters. The decline in approval was driven by Republicans and independents who changed their minds about the senators. In other words, he actually had his home state Republicans and independents believing he was conservative. Uh, Right now, they're realizing, oops. While a little more than half of West Virginians, 52%, approve of Mr. Manchin up from 41 at the start of the year, less than half of the Republicans and only about a third of independents gave him a thumbs up before helping Democrats pass the tax and climate spending package in August. Manchin's numbers earlier this year with Republicans and independents were in positive territory. They aren't anymore. I think Joe will uh, just go retire to his houseboat. It'd be interesting. Will he go back to West Virginia? We'd be one of those that stay in uh, Washington, D.C. with his houseboat on the Potomac. Uh, Have you heard about this uh, Democrat, Nuri Martinez, was the president of the Los Angeles City Council? She uh, has resigned after making highly racist and homophobic comments. And I'm not even going to say what she said. If you want to find out, go Google it. Nuri, N-U-R-Y Martinez. Now, she didn't resign from the city council, but uh, she did resign as the council president. I I will say this. She did release a statement that I take responsibility for what I said. There's no excuse for those comments. I'm sorry. Um, Would that ever suffice if a Republican said what she said? No. And uh, I'm not going to go over in detail on the story, but only to say, once again, an extremely clear example of what liberal Democrats try to pin on conservatives they themselves are guilty of and the double standard of the media. Now, the media did report on it, but 
if this was a Republican, they would have driven that person out of office entirely, not just from being the president of the city council, but totally off the, uh, off the council as a whole. Um, you've heard the story about PayPal, right? That PayPal decided that they were going to become the thought police and PayPal came out and said, if we find that you are using misinformation, we're going to fine users of PayPal $2,500 for any misinformation. Now, the big question that immediately comes to mind is, well, who's, who's the judge of the misinformation? Who gets to decide what is information, what is misinformation, what is right and what is wrong? But, but today, you, you heard that part of the story. Today, PayPal's stock value dropped by 5%. Wouldn't be surprised if it dropped again tomorrow. Why are these woke companies committing business suicide? And it's like corporate suicide. I'm running a perfectly sound business, and all of a sudden I'm going to come out and say, Oh, by the way, you, my customer, if you say something I don't like, we're going to fine you 2,500 bucks. Now, first of all, I mean, are, are, are there, there people that use PayPal that have that kind of money that PayPal can control? Obviously so, if they're going to make this kind of broad statement, but <laughs> I'm sorry, it's like, duh. I mean, what of the business comes out and says, you know, you, you, my customer, uh, if, if you don't, if, if you say something that I don't approve of, uh, we're, we're going to punish you somehow. What business does that? And by the way, PayPal realized, oh, oh, that was, that information wasn't supposed to get out. That was somebody's error that they released that information. Now they didn't say we never considered this. They merely blamed it. Oh, that wasn't supposed to have been released. I mean, it wasn't really like they condemned this idea. They just said, well, I wasn't supposed to get out there. <sighs> so Stacey Abrams was on Fox News Sunday yesterday. I'm not sure why she went on there. I'm not sure why <laughs> Shannon Bream had her on there, but she's trailing in the polls. She's going to get thumped once again. If you remember in 2018, she lost more than 50, by more than 50,000 votes, but, and, and now she says, no, I never said that. But yeah, I mean, she was complaining all along. I mean, the Democrats are always giving Donald Trump a hard time for objecting to the 2020 presidential election. She complained about the 2018 election for a long time. Well, now she's running again. And, um, and by the way, just last week after a four year legal battle, costing the Georgia taxpayers more than $6 million, Abrams Group, quote, fair fight, and its fellow plaintiffs were slapped down by a federal court last week. U.S. District Judge Steve Jones rejected all of the, quote, fair fight's claims about the 2018 elections. But the thing that was really interesting, I mean, it's always interesting to hear her lie, but what was really interesting is during the interview, Shannon Bream asks Abrams, Okay, if you know you, you're you're pro-choice when it comes to uh, abortion, but tell us exactly, 
you know, when does abortion become illegal? How, if you were the governor and this was on your table, how would you decide when abortion is legal? At what point? How many weeks would you cut it off? Cut one, Clark. This is what uh, Abram said. Were you to become governor, where would you draw the line? 15 weeks, viability, what's the limit? What I've always said is that abortion is a medical decision that should be made by a doctor and the woman, and that the point of viability as determined by a doctor should always take into consideration the life and health of a woman. That should be the standard. But the arbitrary standards of timelines ignore the medical reality that it is a fallacy. We know exactly when a pregnancy starts, that we know exactly where we are in the system, I mean, in the in the term. And what doctors will tell you is that they need to make decisions based on the woman they are treating. And what women will tell you is that they need the right to make medical decisions that can save their lives and save their ability to control their bodies and their futures so frankly as the president of planet earth abrams deserves an oscar nomination for her word salad that basically means she's for abortion anytime anywhere for any reason and is she serious we can discern we, we can't discern exactly when pregnancy starts i mean this is the woman that wants to be governor and she comes out with this She's, she's pro-abortion. She would be right there with uh, the former governor of Virginia that have the baby, put it on the birthing table, and we'll decide whether it lives or dies. This is uh, Stacey Abrams, and this is why she's going she's gonna to lose when it comes to uh, Election Day on November the 8th. We'll be right back. Hey, listen, we got to wrap things up. Uh, in, uh, our program <laughs> will end with this. Uh, Joe Biden's, uh, the, the number of people that are worried about his mental health has jumped to an all-time high, 59% up to 64%. And the big increase comes from Democrats, not Republicans. Hey, we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you then. Bye-bye.